Hey, this is Pastor Daniel McGee with Connection Church in New York City. Thank you for listening to our church's weekly podcast. We hope God uses this sermon to encourage you and to increase your faith in Him. If you'd like to know more about our church, please check out our website at ConnectionNYC.com or like us on Facebook at ConnectionNYC. Grace and peace be with you. Well, good morning. morning. I've got a question for you to think about as we go through this title, uh, this message called Transformation is the Best Motivation. Uh, Why do you do what you do? You know, I know as a parent, sometimes we ask our kids that, why did you do that? That was dumb. (laughs) I wonder if sometimes God has that, you know, thought toward us. Why did you do that, Daniel? It's good to be introspective and to figure out why we do what we do because sometimes we only focus on what we're doing and what we need to get to is the underlying cause of why we're doing what we're doing. What is it that motivates you? What drives you forward? When you wake up in the morning, what gets you out of bed besides your obligation that I have to go to work to make money? Or what is it that gets you up in the morning and fuels you? Sometimes it can be things like preservation. You go through a season of life, you're thinking, I'm just trying to keep my head above water right now, and I'm just trying to preserve and make it to the end of the day and then repeat tomorrow. Sometimes it's fear. Fear is one of the most powerful motivators. It's how uh, cults get started. It's how movements can get started, too. And that's one of the things that's really driving the political arena in our country today on both sides is that there's this, you know, democracy is at stake. Whichever side you're listening to, democracy is an attack. And so there's this fear that if we don't do something, we're going to lose our entire country. Fear is a powerful motivator personally as well. If there's things you're afraid of, it can cause you to do things that you would normally never do. Sometimes it's a good. You're fearful. You've heard of people that have this super strength to lift a car off of someone in a moment, and this, you know, they're able to do things that they couldn't do because there was this fear of, of losing someone. And so... But as a day-to-day, it's not a good thing to motivate us. The other powerful one besides fear, I don't know which one's more powerful, but shame is another one. And it is, it can be abused the same way fear can be abused. Uh, Cultures do that. Religions do that. Families do that. Shame on you. You got to do better. You got to wear your name better. Um, A lot of people would say Christianity uses shame as a motivator. And honestly, a lot of times Christians are motivated by shame. We're not immune to that. Uh, one of the differences about Christianity is that, you know, I do think shame is a healthy part of who we are in the fact that when you do something terrible to someone, you should feel bad about that. That, that, that should be part of your dynamic. Like, you know, I shouldn't have hurt them that way. But it's not the motivation for why we do what we do. As a Christian, our motivation is much deeper than that. We don't do that because we're afraid of the shame we're going to get because we know as a Christian who took our shame for us. Christ did. Christ took a, He became shame on our behalf. So a motivating, what moves us forward, it's not something that we feel in the moment, but it's a movement. What is motivating us? What I would subject to us or submit to us this morning is that an overwhelming gratitude for what Jesus has done for me should be my motivation. An overwhelming gratitude of what He's already done for me. And so I have two questions to consider this morning as we maybe 
discern your motives, like figure it out and ask these two questions. What is it that's motivating me? And so the first question is this, is Jesus's love and work for me fueling my passion? Is the love Jesus has for me fueling my passion and the work that Jesus has done on my behalf fueling my passion? Very simply put, am I doing what I'm doing in order to get something from God? Or am I doing what I'm doing because I've already received what I need from God? I'm not talking about aligning myself with God's Word so that He can bless me. That's a different perspective here. I'm talking about the, I'm going to church, I'm reading my Bible, I am even sharing the gospel with people because I want God to love me. That's the wrong motivation. He already loves you. So you need to flip that and have a transformation of my heart be the motivation of my actions. I move from where I have come from, I move from where God has taken me and how He's transformed me to move and to act forward. Uh, there's a scripture that was, um, uh, I think some of you may not know this, because some of you weren't here last week, but last week I shared that I'm going on a sabbatical starting December 1st, and uh, so this is one of the last times I'm going to preach this one in the next two weeks. You can't have any between now and then, Austin, because uh, he's going to be preaching uh, pretty much weekly for the next six months. And... Um, and so I, I had an awareness as I was preparing for this sermon. I was like, oh, I only have three more. So I had to, you know, chop this down to only 30 minutes instead of three hours, you know. Uh, but typically, when this verse that we're going to look at in 1 Peter is a verse that I was, I was wrestling with as I was leading up to those conversations of discerning that I needed a sabbatical. This is one of those verses that really led me to, like, I really, need, I really need to take a break. So it says, To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of, flock, of, of God's flock, that is, under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over them, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being an example to the flock. There, there were a couple things here that, uh, that really stuck out to me was the uh, be, be, not because you must. To me, uh, over the past year, uh, with all the circumstances going on, I felt like an obligation. I have to do this because I've got a master's degree in theology. I, mean, I have to be a pastor. And so it became more of a, a must-do, a have-to-do. And so the sabbatical was going to remove that from me and just say, hey, no, you don't have to. And it's going to allow that love of God to transform and motivate my heart so that when I do come back, I'm shepherding from a better place, a better position. And as a church, you guys need uh, a healthy uh, ministers. You need healthy elders that are ready to, to shepherd you and, and do those things. Um, the other one was being an example to the flock. I felt uh, like I was not a healthy example for a lot of you in going through some of these things, the way anxiety had affected my life. And so I really struggled with that. And so um, there's ways that God's going to do some healing in my heart over this time. And as I was processing this, I was like, you know what, this, these introspective moments of looking into our heart is something we all need to do, whether we're on a sabbatical or whether we're just going day to day. Why am I doing what I'm doing? What I'm doing? 
Is it because I feel like I am obligated to? There are healthy obligations. Like I need to take care of my family. I need to do those responsible things, responsible obligations. But the obligation to, to serve God and to love His people is not something that should be an obligation. So when I'm working to achieve something, it's going to cause me to do something because of mere obligation. That's where the under, under compulsion comes from. So are you doing something just because you're merely obligated or is there some, another underlying factor? Another way, which I don't think this was part of me for sure, uh, but to, you can do something for unjust gain. If you're not careful, you can find yourself to where you're, you figured out how the system works and you're using that to your advantage. And the third one is you'll start to use other people for your own purposes and lording it over them and domineering them instead of uh, serving them. And so those are ways that you can look in the, your life and say, am I doing this? Am I obligated? Am I, am I doing this because I'm working the system? I know when I do X, Y, Z, then I get A, B, C, right? When I, when I do this formula, I get this one. Am I using other people for my purpose? You know, an easy example would be if, if you do something nice for someone and they don't say thank you, huh, I didn't even say thank you. Well, what was your motivation for doing that? Maybe that you want to get something from them. Maybe you're using them, using your good works, and it can, this is the tricky part, it could be something fantastic. I just bought them a brand new house for nothing. That's awesome. They didn't even say thank you. They should say thank you on that one, though. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? Why are you doing it? Look inwardly. But when I'm transformed by God's presence in my life, these things won't happen. When there's that healthiness with, with God, a, a relationship with Him, a deep sense of gratitude for what He's already done, now I will do with the desire to serve because I already have everything I need. I don't feel obligated. I will do from the desire to give to others instead of taking unjust gain. I just want to give. I, have, I, don't, I don't need that. I just want to give. And the other one is, I'm going to bless others and I'm going to expect nothing in return because my purpose is fulfilled. My purpose isn't fulfilled in you. It's in Christ. It's fulfilled. Now I can give freely. I don't need anything. Why do you do? Is it Jesus' love and His work for you, His finished work too? I mean, I know He's still working on things and we have to work out our salvation that's not working for our salvation. We're letting salvation have its effect in us to sanctify us, to become more like Christ. Is His love for you and work for you fueling your passion? The second question is this. Is the Spirit of God propelling me forward? Is the Spirit of God propelling me forward? If you don't have the Holy Spirit's power in your life, and you're just in for a long, difficult road. Yesterday I was riding my bike because it's probably one of the last warm days we're going to have. And it was, got to a certain section uh, at Queensbridge. You take a bike path um, along the, the bridge and going up towards Crescent Street from 21st. No, going up towards Crescent from uh, Vernon down by the park. So it's a cool little big wide bike path. And I started going east on it and I was going fast. And I was going about 15 miles an hour, which is not fast, fast, but you know, for that section, I just crossed the street, so I was 
I'm doing pretty good. And I realized at that moment, there was no wind. Now I'm going, I look down, it's like, oh, I'm going 15 miles an hour. And there's no wind, which tells me I'm probably in a 15 mile per hour wind. The wind's at my back, 15 miles an hour, and it's like nothing. And I'm pedaling so easy, I'm like, this is awesome. I just feel like I'm just going, you know, super easy. And there was a guy meeting me on the same path, and there were leaves just smacking him in the face, you know, and he's just like, and he's just pedaling so hard. And I'm like, man, he needs to turn around and go the other way. You know, it's, it's just, the, you know, he's going the wrong way. And I just thought how interesting that is. And it made me think of the Holy Spirit when we're in line with God and going with Him, how much more He's fueling us to propel us forward. And when we're going against Him, we're going to get smacked in the face a lot. <laughs> and so we want to align with Him. Likewise, the, the Spirit propelling us empowers us to not just do God's work, but to experience God's presence. I think that's maybe what I need to hear most today is that more than I want to do His work, I want to know His presence. And I think that's what you need the most as well, just to experience His presence. Because if you'll do that, you'll do His work. And you won't do it alone. You'll actually be doing His work as, as He'll be doing that through you as you experience His presence. And so the, the way we uh, align ourselves with the power of the Holy Spirit is through humility. Pride is how we lose it. And we access it through humility where we say, Lord, I, I need you. There's no other way for me to do this. I need you. And that, that's even just getting out of bed in the morning. I mean, I realize you can get out of bed without the, the Lord's help. But there's this humility of knowing that, Lord, if, if, if I have your, your presence with me throughout the day and humble myself before you, I know I need you more than I need anything else. And so 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5 talks about this. It says, In the same way... You who are younger, submit yourselves to the elders. And, and this elders too is not just like submit yourself to the pastor's elders, but it also means that the older believers as, as well, that there's this reverence with them. And I know that you know, things change so much and um, you know, the younger generations have a tendency to look down upon the older generations for whatever reason. That's not new to your generation, whichever one you're in. All right, that just that happens. But there's this reverence of saying, hey, they've walked this world longer than I have. I may not agree with them, but I'm going to respect them. And as much as I can without breaking the, the going against the Word of God, I'm going to submit myself to them too and honor them. Now, certainly times when we don't do that, right? If there's going against the Word of God, then we need to stand up. But it also affects how we stand up. It says... Submit yourselves to your elders, all of you. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Why? Because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. God is opposed to the proud. He's like this wind blowing in the face of that bicycle guy, cyclist. And, but he gives grace to the humble. Not that I was a better cyclist than him, but the point is I was in line with God's wind. And there was favor. I was going faster. I was being fueled by the wind. When the to go to kind of use that to, to highlight another point of, of the wind. When you're on a bike ride and when the, the spirit is propelling you forward, the wind, you're in line with him, it doesn't always mean it's going to be effortless. God's favor doesn't mean life's going to be easy. 
Sometimes you're going to get smacked in the face with some leaves too. There's a difference. You may feel a strong resistance as you are propelled forward by God, but there's a big difference that if God is propelling you forward, then you're going to take off against that wind instead of being stopped by it. So there's a, a powerful principle when it comes to aeronautics. So if you're flying in a plane and you, you take off at the airport, they have different routes that they take as far as they, when they leave the airport and when they land. And the planes always do their best to land and, or take off into the wind, and they land into the wind. They never take off with the wind. The reason is they need that resistance of air to take off. If they don't have a lot of wind coming over the wing, you know where the lift works? So the, the wings are shaped to where this, the wind, the, this, is, this is a cool thing, I hope this helps, but the wind is cutting through the, the air and it goes straight underneath, but the wing is curved like this and it causes longer for that wind that's being cut right here to go over the top. And as it does, the faster that resistance is, the more it is, the more lift it creates. Which is why when you see planes land, they'll lower the, oh gosh, what are those called? I almost said rudders. The flaps, thank you. They'll lower the flaps because it creates, it, it makes a lower wind speed, take, it makes the wind take, the air take longer to get over. All right? It's really fascinating the way they came up with this. But if you're in a jet, you go against the wind, you're like, I'm going to go against the wind, but God, it's like those powerful engines that'll blow you down if you stand behind them. And He uses those things in our lives so that, to take us off, to lift us. Psalm 3 talks about that God is the lifter of our heads. And that Psalm 3 is, a, oh, the enemies have surrounded me. There's no way out, but you, O Lord, are a shield to me, the, my glory and the lifter of my head. He's going to lift you. When those winds are coming at you, He's going to lift you. Isaiah chapter 40 is one of the most, it's a very popular verse or chapter, but the verses in here, verses 30 and 31, says, Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. Life is going to happen. It's going to happen. You're going to get tired and weary at times. And guess what? You're going to stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Now, if you have to renew your strength, sometimes it's depleted, right? But the hope is, if my hope is in the Lord, that strength will be renewed and they will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. What a powerful verse to remind us that the eagles use the same principle of lift when they're flapping their wings. They have to have wind, which is why sometimes you've ever seen a, a bird in a strong wind. They're just, I mean, as far as the ground goes, they're just standing still. They're not moving, but there's a, such a strong, they're just sitting there like this. And they're not moving. They're staying straight above you. But there's such a strong wind that it's keeping them up. God is that strong wind for you. And sometimes we just need to put our hands out and say, Lord, lift me. My hope's in you. It's not what I can manipulate. It's not what I can do. It's not my strength. Lord, renew my strength. You lift me up. You give me what I need. And I humble myself before you. And the very next verse, not in Isaiah, but we're back in 1 Peter now. The final word of encouragement is this is what we do. God opposes the proud, but gives favor to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under God's mighty hand that He may what? Lift you up 
in due time. You may think, boy, I wish that due time would come sooner than it is. And I wish that for you too. I hope that for you, that it comes sooner than you think. But it is coming. If you will humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, He will lift you up at that perfect time. And sometimes the story's just got to get really, really ugly so that some point in the future, God does something really big and people will say, you know what, if it weren't for God doing this, it wouldn't have happened. And guess who's going to get all the glory? Jesus. Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. I want to comfort you with that today. God loves the mess out of you. All right? He cares for you. He loves everything about you. He created you. And He wants what's good for you. And if you will humble yourself and cast all your anxiety on Him, He will lift you up in due time. Let's pray. Lord, we want to thank You so much for Your promise of transforming our hearts. We want to thank You so much for uh, the promise that You give us that You will lift us up, that we will soar. Mm. On wings like eagles. That's hard to believe sometimes, Lord, because we don't feel like an eagle. We may feel like a, just a wounded, unwanted animal that can't do anything. We may feel helpless. But Lord, you've called us to something greater. So Lord, thank you for that promise that, that you will lift us up, that you will renew our strength, that we will run and not grow weary, and we will walk and not be faint. We bless you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for what you've done for us through the cross, that you've gone to links of immeasurable love. We just we can't fathom the work that you've done for us. And you've done that to save us. You've done the impossible. You've done it again, and you're going to keep doing it. So we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.